Howdy, friends. Thanks so much for checking out our sermons at The Point. My name is Macy Estes, and I'm an intern here at The Point. And whether you're a student or a parent or some other random person, we are so glad that you are here. This is a sermon from our most recent series, The Greatest Story Ever Told. If you have your Bibles, go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 is where we're going to be at. And uh, I normally don't title my sermons because I just don't. Like, if you ask me what my title normally is, it's like Genesis 6 because that's where we're at. You know what I'm saying? Right? I just kind of like that. But if I was going to title this tonight, here's what I would title it. You ready? Don't miss it. Ready? The Marvelous Mercy of God. Okay? Does that alliterate enough? Does that sound preachery enough? Sweet. The marvelous mercy of God. So let me just remind you, my prayer for this series that we're going through, the greatest story ever told. That just makes me so happy seeing that. It looks so kid-friendly. I love it. So let me just remind you, my prayer for this series is kind of twofold, right? First is that I pray that this series is going to help you read your Bible better. Right? I, I pray and, and I'm just praying that it's going to help you read your Bible better because, man, if you're only getting God's word on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, there, there's a deficiency there. Right? I mean, you're, you're a high school student. You can read, I hope. Right? Uh, you know what I found the other day and I've been loving, and I'm not saying this to be like super spiritual. I've just been loving this, is my Glow Bible app has an audio book. And I just literally, I ride in the car and I, I turned on Psalm 139 the other day and it's like four minutes long and just had Psalm 139 read. And that was so cool. Just listening to it. That was awesome, right? So you can get in the word. And so I'm praying that you do that. But remember, it's one thing just to read it, but it's another thing to read it well. You with me? Like it's one thing just to read it. It's another thing to read it well. And so I'm praying that this series helps us read our Bible better. Helps us read our Bibles better. There we go. Helps us read our Bibles better. Because what this is going to do, as we look at the covenants that God made, the promise he made to Adam and Eve, the covenant with Noah, the stars with Abraham, the tablets with the people of Israel, the crown representing David, and the new covenant, when we understand the covenants in Scripture, which is a, like a relationship, right, an agreement to work together towards a common goal, that's what we talked about last week, when we understand the covenants, it's going to help us understand the story of Scripture better. The scripture is not 66 random books like pulling together in different directions, but it's one story telling the greatest story ever told. And now brownie points if you remember the greatest story ever told. What's the greatest story ever told? That's close. To save the world? That's, that's basically it, yeah. That God is redeeming the world through the death and resurrection of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the greatest story ever told. That God is redeeming the world through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So that's the first thing. Pray that helps you read your Bible better. But secondly, is we are in a covenant relationship with God. Right? We, we are in the new covenant. We are in a covenant relationship with God. Some of you are like, dude, I didn't even know that word till last week. We are, right? That's what the word teaches us. And so the covenantal language in God's word is not only just important for the people in Genesis, but students, it's important for you and me too because we are in this covenant relationship with God. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? You picking up what I'm laying down? Sweet, cool. Genesis chapter 6, that's where we're going to be at. And I do want to just provide a disclaimer, bro. There are so many different ways we could go with tonight's message. We could spend like literally five weeks in Noah, and um, in Noah's story, but we just can't, right? So this is, is my best uh, Spark Notes overview version without doing it disservice. Is that cool? You good with that, Austin? Sweet. Genesis chapter 6. So what we need to know is kind of where we've been since Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Because that's where we were last week, right? We were at the tree with the fruit in it. Because God has made the earth perfectly in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. 
There's perfect relationship with humanity. This covenant relationship is perfect, right? It's perfect unity with God. But what happens is, remember, we asked the question last week that Adam and Eve are going to have to face this decision. Will we trust what God said is good, or will we define good for ourselves? That's the question that Adam and Eve have to face, staring at the fruit. Will we trust what God said is good, or will we try to define that for ourselves? And they tried to define it for themselves. They took of the fruit, they ate, and we saw that sin entered the world, right? And so what we begin to see, if you were to read through Genesis 1 through 6, is that sin does not take long at all to mess things up really badly. Okay, have you ever heard anyone say, and, and this is no shade on older people at all, but I often hear some older people, they're like, man, the world is just getting worse and worse. You people say that? Like, I'll just be straight. It was pretty bad in Genesis chapter 4. I mean, I mean, I know we have smartphones now that let us see everything, so maybe that just makes it a little bit worse, right? But let, let me tell you something. When you read your Bible, it does not take long at all to see how sin just screws everything up. Because when you flip to Genesis chapter 4, you see immediately the first murder in the Bible happens. And it's not murder over enemies, right? It's not murder in war. It is a brother murdering a brother. So we've come a long way in just one flip of a page in our, in our Bible because sin messes everything up and it messes stuff up quick. You feel me on that? And so what happens is the, the Bible gives us kind of a list of Cain's descendants. Cain is who murdered his brother Abel. And then the Bible gives us kind of a list of Seth, Seth's descendants. That's a tongue twister. Seth's descendants, right? Seth is another child of Adam and Eve. So it gives us kind of a rundown. And when we get to Genesis chapter 6, what we see is that sin is not getting better at all. That God looks upon the earth, and what he sees is that tra- the trajectory of sin is not getting better, but in fact, it's getting worse. So look at Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5. We're eventually going to get to chapters 8 and 9, but we're just going to walk through the flood story as quickly as we can. How many of y'all did not know there was a flood in Genesis chapter 6 or 7? Cool. Okay, sweet. We're good. Verse 5. It says, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil at the time. Okay, hold up. That's a pretty bad sentence, isn't it? That, that the Lord looks at the earth and it says that sin is widespread. It says sin is everywhere. It, it was nasty. It was everywhere. It was widespread throughout the earth. And then did you see the language that God's word uses to show us how intense this is? I mean, it says in verse 5 that every inclination, every is a big word, isn't it? Because that loops us all in, right? Every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. That's a lot of umbrella statements, isn't it? To loop everybody in. It was nothing but evil all the time. That's what God looks at and sees. So look at what the word says. It says, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was deeply Grieve. Now you may be like, Justin, does that mean like that God made a mistake in creation? Because how many of y'all have ever regretted, regretted something? You know what I'm saying? And you're like, you wish you wouldn't have done that, right? Is that saying that God like wishes he wouldn't have created it? No, I don't think so. Because the Bible's pretty clear that God doesn't make mistakes. Because if God makes mistakes, you and I got a big problem. Right? Like we need God to be perfect. I don't know about you, but we need that. And so there's oftentimes cases in the Bible where the Bible will use language for us to help us kind of get at the heart of God. And I think that's one of these cases that, listen, your sin and my sin bothers the heart of God. Listen, God does not see your sin and just be like, yeah, it's whatever. He doesn't do that. 
God, God does not see your sin and my sin and just kind of brush over it as if it's no big deal. It breaks his heart. And that's what we see right here, that God is seeing this. So look at what he says. Then the Lord said, this is a fun verse. You ready? Fun verse. I will wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, the creatures that crawl, and the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. That's a fun verse, isn't it? How many of y'all, because we know the flood's coming, right? Everybody know this. We don't have to read it. We know the flood's coming. How many of y'all have ever seen um, in like the Precious Moments Bible, you know what I'm saying, the little kid's Bible, the really cute picture of Noah's Ark? You know what I'm talking about? When it's just adorable, right? And it looks like Noah's like living at the zoo, you know? And like giraffes are walking up together and like they stick their holes out of the head of the ark, you know what I'm saying? And uh, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And then the flood comes and like dolphins are like making like a flying V around the boat, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, that is so wrong. <laughs> listen to me. That's so wrong, isn't it? Because listen, the flood is not a cool little field trip for Noah. The, the flood, although it would have been cool to be with all those animals, the flood is something that's about to bring wrath and destruction, isn't it? Listen, I'm not hating on precious moments, Bibles. I'm not hating on all that stuff. But I'm just saying, sometimes, listen, sometimes if we're not careful, we miss what God's word is really saying. So here's what we need to do, ready? And I think it's okay to do this. Right? You might think I'm weird for doing this, but I think this is okay. I think we need to grapple. You know what I'm saying? The grapple. We need to wrestle with how intense this flood is about to be. Listen to me right here. Listen to me. Because you're going to leave church one day. Hopefully you don't leave church. You're going to leave here, go to school probably, get a job, something. And you're going to encounter someone. You're probably already encountering these people who don't believe in God, right? don't believe in the word. And if you've never thought through these things, you know what they'll ask you? You ready? How can you worship a God? who sits there and looks at everyone he made and simply wipes out the earth with a flood. Like, like how can God be good if his method of destruction and wrath is he's going to bring a flood to wipe out everybody? I don't know about you. That's a pretty legitimate question. Don't you think? So look, if it's there, listen, listen, we do a disservice to ourselves if we read parts of scripture like this and we just gloss over it and we have this VBS picture in mind of the ark, not saying that's not good and not saying we shouldn't teach our kids that, but listen, we need to wrestle with what's happening here because this is a pretty intense thing. It's a pretty intense thing that's going on. So listen, if you're really struggling with that, let me give you just two things to think through, okay? If you're struggling with the intensity of the flood, how can God do that, all these things, first thing we gotta understand, you ready? Listen right here. God can do whatever God wants to do. I know that's not like the fun thing to say there. Like, I don't know if you're looking for like a, uh, a preachery maneuver there to talk about God's goodness and stuff. But listen, we got to understand, God can do whatever in the world God wants to do. You feel me? Like, like who are we? I heard a guy say this one time, and I completely agree. The way we understand Genesis 1-1 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. But because if we really believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, guess what? If God spoke and all this was formed, you know what that means? What he says goes. That, that he is creator and that I am the created. And how dare I, as someone who's 23 years old, living on this earth that's a speck, look at the one who is before all things, who will be at the end of all things, the alpha and the omega, the one who's holding the stars together that's above time and space, that God, and I say, God, are you sure you acted correctly here? That's a bunch of junk. Listen, God can do what God wants to do. Is that harsh? I mean, it 
kind of makes sense, right? God can do what he wants to do. Now listen, here's the second part of this aspect that's a little more, I guess, theologically sound and all these things. You know what I'm saying? Listen, this is the second thing. Is that your sin demands that a righteous and holy God act. You hear me? That your sin and my sin and the sin of humanity demands that a righteous God do something. Because if God lets our sin just go by, guess what? He's not righteous. And we need him to be righteous, right? If God just lets our sin slide under the rug and he does nothing, then God is not holy because a holy and righteous God, that demands, students, that demands, when he sees your sin and he says my sin, that demands that he acts. Now thank God, and this is not getting to the end of my sermon, but thank God that Jesus takes that for us, right? And that's the good news of the gospel, and we'll get there in just a second. But when we understand the flood, we have to be okay with those two things. That God is God. He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And secondly, that your sin and my sin demands that God acts. Y'all feel me on that? We're getting heavy on a Wednesday night, aren't we? Yeah, I like it. That's good, though, because if we don't get heavy now, then if we're not ready for that, someone's going to come at us, and then we'll be shaking. You with me? So let's wrestle with that for just a second. But what I love, and let's just talk about this for a second. Back to last week, um, if I'm God, if I'm God, which y'all better be glad I'm not, right? Because if I'm God, I told y'all last week with Adam and Eve, I would not have given Adam and Eve a second chance. Who would have given Adam and Eve a second chance? (laughs) You, You tripping, man, right? I mean, if I'm God, I'm like, I created this perfect world. Perfect unity, right? No harm, no tears, no pain, no nothing, no shame, nothing. You did the one thing. Like, you, you ever seen the pictures on Twitter? You had one job, right? Like, you had one job, and you messed it up. So if I'm God, I'm sitting there thinking, man, there is no way I'm giving a second chance. But God gives a second chance in Genesis chapter 3. So really, if I'm here right now and I'm God, And I'm thinking, I already gave you one chance back in Genesis chapter 3, and you're continually on this downwards trajectory in your sin. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. If I'm God, I'm like, shoot, no, man, I'm out. But look at what the marvelous mercy of God demands. Listen, because is God righteous? Yes. Is God holy? Yes. Is he merciful? Absolutely. Because look at what his word says in verse 8. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord, so here's what I love, is God is going to use one man to save humanity in this moment. He's going to use one man. Does that sound similar? We'll get there in just a second. Okay. God's going to use one man. He finds favor with Noah, and I would love to dive in more there, but we just can't, right? So look at what God begins to talk to with Noah. Look at what he says in verse 11. It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. And God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. Let me notice something real quick, and I've never noticed this. This is what's awesome about reading the Bible. You ready? Because I've heard this story so long and read this story so much, but I've never realized the emphasis that's been here on all of creation. With me? Because notice what God says. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on earth. Listen, this is a bigger thing than just humanity. This is the world is corrupt and the world is sinful. Does that make sense? And we'll see that highlighted more and more times throughout this passage, but I never noticed that. So look at what God says he's going to do. He says, I'm going to destroy, therefore I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. So look at what he says in verse 17. That's pretty dark news. You ever gotten bad news? You're like, that's, uh, that's pretty bad, right? God's going to destroy the earth. But look at what he says in verse 17. Understand that I am bringing a flood 
Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. See, there's that every creature again. With every breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But, in verse 18, can I just tell you something? The word but in the Bible is a really good word. (laughs) I think about Ephesians 2. uh, We were dead in our sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, right? God's saying, hey, I'm going. Yes, I like it. God says here, what does he say? I'm going to destroy the earth, but, look what he says, I will establish my what? What would you say? Covenant. Covenant, that's what we're talking about, right? So God says, I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons and your wife and your son's wives. Now, just for the sake of time, we, we can't read all this together, but God begins to give Noah instructions about what he's to bring on the ark, who he's to bring on the ark, and he does all of these things, and then guess what happens? Everything that God says is going to happen happens. Noah did, there's a really cool verse at the end of chapter 6 when it says in verse 22 of chapter 6, and Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded. Listen to me, students. If you do everything that God commands, you're going to end up pretty good. It's when you and I try to do our own thing and do our own interpretation, that's when we kind of mess up. It's where Adam and Eve messed up. You with me? So Noah does everything, and everything that God says, this had to be crazy for Noah. This is a huge step of faith for Noah because Noah's never seen rain like this. Noah's never seen anything like this on this level at all. Yet he is stepping out on faith, which Hebrews 11 says is what saves him, right? He's stepping out on faith, and God comes through with everything that God says is going to happen. Can I just tell you, if God says it, take it to the bank, students. That's why I get, I get kind of just, this is a tangent, I'm sorry. I get kind of weird when I see Christians freaking out all the time over stuff. Listen, I'm not saying, like, things in the world aren't real. I'm not saying that brokenness and issues aren't hard because they are. I've cried, too, as a Christian, right? But, man, when we live in that, I'm like, have we read the end of the book? Have we read that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes? Have we read that? Because if God says it, he's got a pretty good track record of it coming true. So listen, God says all of these things. Noah, by faith, builds the ark, brings his family on, and the flood comes. And the flood wipes out everything. Yes. Was that the audiobook? Is that you? Unbelievable. We can't get any good help here at all. That's my dad, if y'all don't know, so I could say it. it's okay. It's all good. Is that not an epic voice though? Genesis chapter six. <laughs> that was at the worst time, too. God wipes out everything. Genesis chapter 6. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I love it. So, hey, the flood comes. Everything that God says happens, happens. And you know what's crazy? How, how long does it flood for? Everybody, anybody know? Yeah, that's a lot of rain, bro. That's a lot of rain, right? It, it's raining. It's raining. It's raining. Raining men, hallelujah, right? It's raining. And, and listen, you know what's crazy? Listen what the end of chapter six says, or 7 says. You ready? Back, back focus, we got it, we got it. It says, and the water surged on the earth for 150 days. We don't think of Noah being on the boat that long, do we? 150 days, the water is surging on the earth. You know what's crazy? And I have to say, this just frustrates me about God. Can I, can I tell you this? this? Is that weird for a preacher to say that something frustrates me about God? I, I mean, I'm learning to get, to get right with it and to deal with it and to trust him. I get that. But this frustrates me is, that was a smooth transition. Thank you. Sorry. What frustrates me is that we never have any account of God talking to Noah while Noah's on the boat. Isn't that crazy? Like God's about to in chapter 8 a little bit, 
But up this whole time, and maybe he did, I don't know, but the Bible gives us no indication that God comes in every night and says, hey, Noah, uh, remember, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Hey, Noah, remember uh, when this all gets done, we're going to be right, and I'm going to restore this with you. Remember, Noah, all this coming. We get no indication that's happening. Isn't it crazy, students, you read all throughout the Bible that God, listen here, man, the way God often operates, listen to me right here. The way God often operates is he will make his people wait. You hear me? Because, listen, some of you have been waiting on God, man, for a while. Some of you are like, dude, I'm only 16 or 17, and I feel like I've been waiting on God for 16 years. For stuff with your family, for stuff in your life, for several things. Some of you have been waiting for a long time. Sometimes God makes us wait, right? If I was Noah, it would be nice to get a little reminder every night, like, hey, just remember the flood's going down. We're going to establish a covenant. It's going to be great. We don't see that happen, but, man, I love chapter 8, verse 1. Look at what it says. It says, then God remembered Noah as well. Here it is again. All the wildlife and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, God remembers him. Isn't that good? That God remembers him. And so there's this whole process for them to check out when the water's dry, when the water's receding, and all this stuff. But go down to verse 15 with me. It says, then God, this is chapter 8, says, then God spoke to Noah and said, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out all the living creatures that are with you, the birds, livestock, those that crawl on the earth, and they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah, along with his sons and his wives and his sons' wives, came out, and all the animals of the creatures that crawl and all the flying creatures, everything that moves on the earth, came out of the ark by their families. And man, I love verse 20. Listen, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and he took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on to the Lord. So listen right here, you ready? The only appropriate response to salvation is worship. So just listen to me. The, the only appropriate response to salvation is worship. What does Noah do the second he gets off the boat? I mean, building a house would be a good idea, Right? Maybe finding some food, maybe uh, doing something, maybe checking to make sure everybody's good, all those things. It says, then Noah worshipped the Lord. Listen, this is why we get jacked up about singing on Wednesday nights. Because if we've responded to the gospel, and if we've received the good news of salvation, the only appropriate response to salvation is worship. And Noah does this immediately. He begins to worship the Lord. So now look in chapter 9, and this is where we're going to hang out with the rest of the night. Chapter 9, look at what happens. Verse 1, y'all with me? Y'all still still with me? Sweet, okay. Chapter 9, verse 1, because it's about to get exciting for me at least. I hope it's exciting for you. Okay, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, where does that sound similar to? What what does that verse bring us back to? Because remember, the Bible is one story. Right, the, the same author of Genesis is the same author of Genesis all the way through, right? The Holy Spirit who inspired Moses, right? This is all one story. So what does that bring us back to? Listen to Genesis one twenty eight. Are you ready? Listen to Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed them. That's Adam and Eve. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Now listen to Genesis 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Do you see how similar that is? What, what is God doing? He is giving humanity another chance. 
His marvelous mercy is extending grace to people who don't deserve it. And he gives them the same commission that he gave to Adam and Eve. Go, fill the earth, and subdue it. So then go down with me to verse 8. God says a few more things in there. And then look at what he says in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Understand that I am establishing my what? My covenant, right? My covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every, here it is again, and with every living creature that is with you, birds, livestock, and all the wildlife of the earth that are with you, all the animals of the earth that came out of the ark, I establish my what? My covenant with you, and here it is right here, you ready? This is the covenant promise to Noah. That never again will every creature be wiped out by the flood waters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. What's God's covenant promise to Noah? Noah, what just happened is never going to happen again. God says, I will not destroy the earth by a flood. Now, here's two things that I think we need to notice here. Two things. Uh, The first thing, ladies, how many of y'all like it when a guy makes, like, the first move? Yeah, here's the deal. That's a trick question. You shouldn't like guys right now because high school guys are stupid. Um, Sorry. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hey, I was a high school guy, I know, right? Uh, we're dumb. Anyway, so that's a trick question. But I know you like that, right? Like when a, when a guy's not ashamed to walk up and deliver an awesome Christian pickup line, like, hey, girl, Joshua walked around Jericho seven times and it fell. If I walked around you seven times, would you fall from me, right? That's what I'm saying. Every girl likes that. So, guys, note to self, when you get out of high school and you understand at least a little bit more about your life, you with me? Guys, am I right? Am I not right? <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> Come on. Hey, do you wish you had dated in high school? You wish you would have dated in high school? Yeah. Like, did you date a girl in high school? You wish you wouldn't have, right? You wouldn't? Oh, man, I would not. You glad you dated in high school? Are you glad you dated in high school? Y'all crazy, man. I was an idiot. Hey, re- forget the last 10 seconds just happened. Okay, forget the last 10 seconds. Anyway, that failed miserably. Hey, you owed me one from your phone talking. You owed me one. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, forget the last 15 seconds happened to Will and Dad. I'll talk to them later. Okay. Anyway, listen. Listen. We love it when someone makes the first move, right? You know what's crazy here? You ready for this? Noah doesn't say a word here. Listen to me. Noah in Genesis chapter 9, Noah, because here's what I would have done, right? At least I, I would have thought I'd done this. If I'd have got off the ark, you know what I'd have done? Um, okay, God, thank you for saving me. That was great. I appreciate it. I didn't deserve it, so thank you. So, God, what do I have to do to make sure what just happened doesn't happen again? Is that a reasonable response? I, I'm thinking, like, that's, that's my reaction. Like, God, okay, everything just happened. God, what do I have to do? But you know what happens when we get to Genesis chapter 9? God initiates this covenant with Noah. Listen to me, students. God comes to Noah and says, I am establishing my covenant with you. God moves before Noah even thinks about moving towards him. Do you see how awesome that is? That that God establishes this covenant with Noah. He's the one that makes the first move towards Noah. And that is awesome news for us. That's the first thing I notice. And then secondly, listen right here. There's no contingency. This blows my mind. Because if I'm God, and we've already established that it's a good thing that I'm not God, right? But if I'm God, and I come to Noah, and I'm saying, here's the deal, Noah. Okay, you saw what just happened. 
you, you saw the destruction, you saw that stuff, here's the deal, okay, if you do this, and if you do this, and if you come to church on Wednesdays, and if you serve in a small group, if you do this and this, then Noah, if you do all those things, then I will never wipe the earth clean again. But Noah, if you don't do this, and if you don't do this, and if you don't do all these things I just told you to do, then Noah, you don't get it again, boy. Does that make sense? Like, like that's, that's what I'm thinking. If I'm God, I'm, I'm expecting there to be some kind of contingency plan here. No, if you do this, good. If you don't, we got problems. You know what's crazy? Listen to me right here. You read Genesis chapter 9, and you know what God says? He doesn't wait for Noah to respond. He doesn't wait for Noah to sign his agreement. He doesn't wait for Noah to do anything like that. God says, I will never wipe the earth clean again. Isn't that crazy? So listen, are you ready? This is awesome. Because students, the hope of the gospel does not just emerge when you get over to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Listen, the hope of the gospel is shouted right here in Genesis chapter 9. Because you know what's great, man? Oh, this is so good. The, the Lord is promising here. Listen to me. He's promising not on the basis of Noah's ability to perform. Listen right here. He's not promising based on Noah's ability to perform that he's not going to destroy the earth again. But simply because of his marvelous mercy. God is promising Noah and entering into this covenant relationship with him that he is not going to destroy the world. Students, is that not the heartbeat of the gospel? Is that not what the gospel is proclaiming? I mean, what's the most famous Bible verse in the world? What would you say? John 3.16, right? Let's go there. John 3.16, I'll read it for you so you don't have to flip there. Listen to what it says. It says, for God so loved the world. In this way, he gave his only son so that, on, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But do you know John 3.17? Listen to what it says. You ready? You ready? John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So God did not send Jesus to come in and wipe all of us out due to our sin. That's not what God sent Jesus in to do. What did he send him in to do? John 3.17 says this, to save the world through him. So students, does this not make sense in light of where we've been the last two weeks? Because in Genesis 3, what does God tell the enemy? He says, hey devil, you're going to lose. What does he tell Noah here in Genesis chapter 8 and 9? I'm not going to destroy the world, but the gospel says that God is going to redeem and rescue the world through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Y'all see this? Do you see how the Bible is not all these different stories, but that the hope of the gospel is exclaimed right here in Genesis chapter 9? Are y'all with me? So you're like, Justin, how, how is that not just some like kind of theological nugget that's cool but really has no implication for my life? Listen, what incredible hope that brings you and me. Oh, man. Because I'm, I'm just letting you know, you turn on the news for five seconds, and guess what? This world can be a sucky place to live sometimes. There is messed up things in this world. People die in this world. People go crazy in this world. I mean, issue after issue after issue. Things that don't even make the news are happening that should wreck our hearts. And man, if you just watch the news, I'd get discouraged. I mean, I'd be, where is this thing going? But what has God promised us? That he is not going to destroy the world, but he is redeeming it. 
that God is rescuing. So no matter what Thursday morning holds of March 16th, whatever day, May 16th, no matter what tomorrow holds, I have hope because God is not going to destroy the world, but he's rescuing it and he's redeeming it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what the gospel does in my life. Are you with me? That man, what incredible hope this brings. But I gotta tell you what, um, there is a lot of time, like I'm just flipping all these pages right here, there, there is a lot of time between Genesis and Jesus, right? Like there's a lot of time between Noah and Jesus, like, like a lot of times. So you know what God's going to do? I love this. And let's be honest, first off, sin doesn't get any better, right? Like if we kept on reading in Genesis chapter 9, you know what? Noah screws up almost immediately, like, dude, can you not hold it together for like 24 hours? You know what I'm saying? He, he almost screws it up immediately, right? I mean, go read the prophets, man, and see the sin that they're dealing with. Go read about King David when he commits adultery. Go, go read about Samson when he just is doing all the wrong stuff. Go read the people of Israel when they're worshiping gods after gods after gods. Go read them when they worship a golden calf just days after God brings them out of Egypt. Man, sin does not get any better. So here's what I love. God is going to make Noah a sign. God is going to give Noah a sign and say, hey, this is going to be how you remember my promise. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, and God said, this is my sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all future generations. You know what's sweet? That's you and me. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Don't let anyone tell you you're not in the Bible because you're in the Bible right there. Future generations, that's you and me. So I have placed, this is God, my bow in the clouds, it's a rainbow, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and remember the, I love this word, the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. I don't know about you, but I need reminders in my life, right? A series like my best friend, now that I've gotten older, right? I just just say, hey, yo, I need a reminder for tomorrow at 10 a.m., whatever, right? Um, I love my favorite reminder now is this right here. Anybody see that? That's my favorite reminder. Because you know what I love? If I'm an idiot tonight and crazy, Man, she chose me, and that's awesome, right? That I get to wake up every day and be reminded of that. I, I love it, right? I love it. Even when I'm not with her, and she's back there, she's awesome. Even when I'm not with her, I'm reminded of that. I need that in my life. Can I tell you what, students? Sometimes it rains really hard, right? I mean, gosh, we're, the hurricane last September, dude, I was like, God, I know you promised the world was not going to be destroyed, but my house might be, right? I was like, this is, this is crazy. I mean, it just kept on coming and kept on coming and kept on coming. We get so much rain. But how many times do you know that when that rain stops, what appears up in the sky? Rainbow. You know what's really cool? I have to believe this. I never thought about this until, until tonight or today and preparing for this. But you know what I thought? You know, right now there's 1,800 thunderstorms happening on this earth at any given second. 1,800. I have to believe, ready, I have to believe that one of those has a rainbow. Is that a fair, or y'all think I'm stretching here? And if, they're, if they don't have a rainbow, it's probably not very long. You, you, know what, you know what's cool? You know what's cool? It's a constant reminder as the Lord sees that. 
constant reminder of the covenant he would make with Noah. Because you know what's crazy? It's like we get the benefits of looking up at the rainbow, but God is saying, this is a sign to me. Did you notice that? Like he says, I will remember my covenant when I see this. That it's a constant reminder that God's saying, I am not destroying the earth, but I'm going to redeem it. And students, here's what's awesome. That that rainbow serves as a constant reminder of the marvelous mercy of God. That, man, God is good. That, that God is love. That God is merciful. And here's what I love. As the rainbow stands as a reminder for all of these things, we have a few extra reminders as well. You hear me? We have a few extra reminders as well. And we have one in particular that's not as aesthetically beautiful as a rainbow. It's not as colorful. In fact, it's primarily one color, color and it is a bloody cross. As soon as it stands over all of time, stands over all of creation that shouts over every single one of your lives that God did not leave us. <laughs> that God saw us in our sin and he didn't say nope. But God said, bring me your addiction, bring me your pain, bring me your suffering, bring me your anxiety, bring me all the sin that just hangs you down. Let me take it, and I'm going to go nail it to a tree. That it reminds us that God is for us and that God did not pass us by. And just as we have a rainbow, just as we have a cross, students, we have an empty grave that shouts that the cross worked. That declares that sin has no hold on me anymore that declares that even death is not the end for you and I. So students, just as God is saving the world through one man here in Noah, man, he's going to save the world and redeem the world through one man who is Jesus. Who's Jesus? That is, that is the greatest story ever told. Thanks so much for listening. The Point is a ministry of First Baptist Church Indian Trail for high school students. We offer life groups every Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And we meet on Wednesday nights at 6.15. For more information, you can go to our church's website at fbcit.org.